The Steelers have hired a new offensive assistant coach. We'll talk about what that means for the offense, for Matt Canada, and what, what it might also signal about how the Steelers are handling coaching hires moving forward. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined today by Josh Taylor from 93.7 The Fan and KDK TV. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting app and especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoy it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of our daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL and an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash On. And you can get started today. As I said before, joined by Josh Taylor. He's been a regular on the show. Josh, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you, man. And uh, we got to talk. We got to jump right in with this with this assistant coaching hire, Glenn Thomas, coming in from Arizona State. Granted, though, he has played. He has coached in a lot of different locations. Uh, most most recently, he was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Arizona State. But this is a guy who bounced around a bit in college for many years. He was at UNLV for two years as offensive coordinator and QB coach, Baylor for three years doing similar roles, uh, Temple for two years doing similar roles. And before that, he was with the Falcons, where he he was the quarterback coach for Matt Ryan in his early coming comeuppance in the NFL. So this is a guy with a lot of experience. Uh, you know, it's been a while since he's been in the NFL. Last time he coached there was 2014. But the obvious question that was thrown out was – is this Matt Canada's replacement for if this season goes awry? Because he can't officially be the quarterback's coach because that's Mike Sullivan. He's not the offensive coordinator because that's Matt Canada. He hasn't been given the title of offense uh, of passing coordinator. So what is his role here? Josh, what do you see Glenn Thomas's main contributions to the Steelers being? It feels to me like the same situation when the Steelers hired uh, a, another coach not too long ago. And granted, he wasn't the coordinator, he wasn't a position coach, but you kind of saw where he was going to fill in some gaps, and that was Terrell Austin. You knew exactly what Terrell Austin brought to the table as a coordinator. You knew what his resume told you. He had already coached a couple different units that had actually won Super Bowls as a defensive backs coach, and he had experience as a coordinator. So you knew exactly what he brought to the table, where it became not only, you know, necessarily or a position coach, granted, you know, in this case, Glenn Thomas isn't. But you're bringing in a guy who at least has that experience of being a coordinator. He has that experience of being a position coach. So he can help you fill in some of those areas and some of those gaps where you might not always get that of a position coach or you may not be able to get that from your coordinator at the time. So now you have somebody else as an added resource that can help you with that. So now you have, for Kenny Pickett, a young developing quarterback. You have a quarterback's coach in Mike Sullivan, but you also have a guy in Glenn Thomas who has experience working with younger quarterbacks. You mentioned how he worked with Matt Ryan when he was in Atlanta. He's also worked with college quarterbacks, and he coached quarterbacks at Baylor. And if you understand how Big 12 offenses work, you can't be a quarterbacks coach, an offensive coordinator at Baylor without knowing a little bit something about throwing the football. So it, it comes around to that, especially when people tell you, oh, well, they, they give you the, well, it's a passing league, and you got to have somebody who knows how to throw the ball better because there's this knock against Matt Canada and his understanding or potential lack thereof with the passing game and 
how he's all of a sudden people just think he's some run first guy, which I don't know if you've heard of Nathan Peterman, but that's beside the point. But it, it does come back around to can you bring in a guy that understands a little bit more of the you know more modern aspect of the passing game? Not saying that your coordinator does it, but now you bring another voice in the room that that lends a little bit more to the discussion. Just like when you had a guy like Brian Flores in your room last year that lended more to the discussion on defense or Terrell Austin before that. This feels like another move in that direction where, where you're having an expanded coaching staff that's starting to grow now because we've talked about that so much about how the staff is so small. Now you're bringing in more guys in the room that can lend more to the conversation. I want to get to the component of the more coaches in the staffing room and what that means because they also officially made Gerald Alexander an assistant DB's coach, even though he's been with the team for a year already. I want to get to that a little bit later, but I think it's it's imperative that Steelers fans, you know, you look at look at this as as far as it pertains to Matt Canada. One, this is now two guys who man Matt Canada and now Glenn Thomas who recruited Kenny Pickett out of high school. Matt Canada helped do that for Pitt uh, when he was when he was coming out of high school in New Jersey. And Glenn Thomas was doing that for Matt Rule at Temple. So there's two connections here as far as guys that work there. Now I don't want anyone to read too too much into this as far as oh yeah they went they're going and getting guys that are just that that Kenny Pickett just loves you know. I think that there that, that might be a coincidence, but I'm not so sure that's it because if Kenny Pickett loved uh, Glenn Thomas so much, he would have stayed at Temple and not gone to gone gone to Pitt in the first place. And he never was even coached under Matt Canada at, at Pitt. That was uh, um, that was Mark Whipple uh, for for most of his career and in how that played out. But I do think that there's a, there's a sense of you know even if he's not necessarily you know his replacement right away. You know, there's the question of is he on a short leash, Matt Canada, that being, and would Glenn Thomas be the guy to fill in there? But I'm with you. I think this is more of the sense of another guy who can help here. He's not given the official title of pass game coordinator, but he's but he's at least an, another guy that can float around the same way Brian Flores did last year. Uh, you know, and granted, Brian Flores had a lot more uh, leeway because of his pedigree and what his history in the NFL and what he, all the things the experience that he brought to the table. Uh, but you know, this is a guy who comes in and he can be a fresh set of eyes from a different perspective that can add to a lot of the things here. And I think that's the real value that you're getting here. Uh, and, and maybe we get to the point where Matt Canada is, is replaced here. I just don't know. You and I, you, we've, we've been very staunch about how I, we don't think Matt Canada is as bad as people make him out to be. He has plenty of faults, but he's not this complete dumb idiot that just can't call a successful play to save his life. Uh, you know, a lot of this depends on the offensive line, the quarterback situation and growing, you know, regrowing an offense that needed a complete overhaul over the past few years. And I think that getting another assistant coach is a part of that, a part of that plan to make things better. I, I'm going to create a parallel here. It's going to drive some people crazy. And if I run YouTube, I'll probably get killed in the comments for it. But when other people that aren't us do it, it's okay. So I'll just do this and just get killed for it afterwards. There were people that loved to make the Joe Burrow comparison after Kenny Pickett got drafted, right? They loved to do that. They loved to talk about the, the thought of the Steelers drafting Jordan Addison because, oh, you can pair back up Jordan Addison to Kenny Pickett, kind of like uh, um, Joe Burrow and, and uh, Jamar Chase. Well, let me, let me find a little bit of another thing for you here. Remember the name Joe Brady mm -hmm. from LSU? That guy that was there when, when Joe Burrow was lighting up SEC defenses and everybody else? And Joe Brady parlayed that into a job with Carolina. Now, granted, things didn't go too great in Carolina, but I don't think that was Joe Brady's fault. That was just the personnel there was just awful. But 
this feels like that kind of situation where you bring in a guy that fills a Joe Brady type role. Now, granted, Joe Brady was given a little bit more of a title that really suggested the job that he had, but that's what this feels like. A guy who's had, who's played on, I should say, who's coached on the college level, has had some success there coaching on the college level. He coached the Davey O'Brien Award semifinalist, coached a team that went all the way to the top 10. I think, what, Baylor was number seven at one point in 2019 during that season in the Big 12. So you've had a guy who's at least been able to take an offense and, and more importantly, quarterbacks, and get some measure of success out of them. And it feels that same way with Joe Brady. Now, I'm not trying to say that to make the Joe Brady-Joe Burrow parallel and do that with Kenny Pickett, but it feels like a similar situation where you're bringing in a guy who has that kind of success with quarterbacks, especially especially young, or I should say early career quarterbacks, because you can make the argument of how young Kenny Pickett is, but you understand what I'm saying as far as the maturation of a quarterback. And he's done that in the NFL before he was a coordinator in the college level. He, he coached a young Matt Ryan. So now it feels like a Joe Brady type of situation where, okay, this guy has that on his resume. He comes in now. Now he's able to actually, you know, create that extra element to this offense that might have been missing. It's easy to say, oh, he might be this guy's replacement. Because when we saw with Terrell Austin, when he was brought in the staff, yeah, he eventually became the replacement for Keith Butler. Or when you saw Matt Canada come in, he eventually became the replacement for Randy Feetner. But we've seen that in years before. So we can't sit here on one side and say the Steelers promote from within too much and then mm-hmm. automatically assume it's a guy being brought in to promote from within. Is it one of those options that you have down the line? Sure, because we know they like to develop continuity with players on the roster. At the same time, it doesn't. I'm with you. It doesn't feel like that to me as much as it feels like, hey, let's get another guy in here with experience that has experience in the pro game. And that's, that's the thing that we always tend to leave out when we talk about Mike Tomlin's assistant coaching house. We talk about, well, it's not this young guy that's you know, trying to come up and be a head coach. No, but he brings in a lot of guys that have experience before they get the job. He's got coordinator experience. He's got quarterback coach experience. So he's not learning on the job like some of these Mm -hmm. other guys that they want to have learned on the job. He's a guy who's already been on the job and knows what to do. And that's the difference. I, I agree. We want to keep on this point and also talk more about the the uh, how the coaching hires have been handled as a whole. We'll get to that in just a minute here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. So don't go away. But first, I want to talk to you guys about our great sponsors at FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, of course, the number one sportsbook in America. You got to get on it right now. The NBA playoffs are upon us. They're just they're, they're getting closer and closer. And with that coming in, the best way to bet on them is America's number one sportsbook, that being fan duel now for new customers you can get what's called the no sweat first bet which gives you up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets back if you if your first bet doesn't win just go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on and you can sign up today to claim your no sweat first bet then you can wager on anything from the money line to point spreads to who's hitting the most three pointers and even who wins the, ch- the nba championship all on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use don't miss your shot at no sweat first bets up to one thousand dollars win you join FanDuel today. Join, go, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and an official partner of the NBA. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Josh Taylor. 
Josh, let's get back to the point you were talking about, you know, guys with experience and guys. We talked about Aaron Curry, you know, a little bit ago, uh, a guy they brought in as a, you know, he's coming in from the Seahawks and he's going to help with the linebackers. Now, Jared Alexander, who was with the team, but in an unnamed capacity, is now going to be an assistant defensive backs coach. It's funny, you know, I think there, there was a legitimate question. Why didn't why isn't Glenn Thomas Byron Leftwich or Jeff Caldwell, who are two names that we've brought up about, you know, potential, you know, offensive answers to come in and help the same way that Brian Flores helped out. And I do think there's a there's a legitimate argument there to be made. Hey, why didn't you go get those guys? You saw how well your senior defensive assistant helped last year. Why not get one of these guys? But they're getting all these young guys or at least un- lesser known guys, I'd, I'd say, to be to be to be fair to everyone. Um is this a sign more so of maybe Mike Tomlin's trying to get his fingerprints with his coaching hires and guys that he thinks would, would be interesting fits instead of getting other people's guys? Because that was the thing that the Steelers did throughout the 2010s under Mike Tomlin. And, you know, it, it worked for times. It got them experienced guys like Todd Haley. Uh, it, it was it was able to bring in, you know, guys who really helped out. But then, of course, everyone was like, well, where's Mike Tomlin's coaching tree? Now he's bringing a lot of different guys where if any one of them hit and goes somewhere else, like Tomlin can say, well, there's my coaching tree. These these are younger guys that I'm bringing in here. Is is this is this more about maybe building a coaching tree or is this just, you know what, the Steelers are are, are wanting fresh, different minds and don't necessarily want the older veteran coaches out there, or maybe those coaches are looking to come and get more fit, more higher status positions like coordinator spots than, you know, senior assistants on either side of the ball. This is the time, Chris, where I love to do this. So you know, I'm good for this, whether it's a movie reference or an MCU mm-hmm. reference or the quintessential wire reference. Here's where I drop the wire reference. All right. All right. In the words of Bunk Moreland, speaking to Jimmy McNulty, I believe this was, season one episode two and it was a it was a phrase that he had used quite a bit throughout the course of the series and i'm gonna parse it a little bit because you know i gotta keep it pg but uh Mm -hmm. you happy now (laughs) if you know you know you know the rest of the sentence and i asked that question specifically to the people that always criticize well the steelers don't bring any new fresh ideas or they don't bring in any other young coaches and mike tomlin doesn't have any doesn't have a coaching tree with Guys that have developed under him because apparently that's his job title now or it's his job responsibility. When that happened, I don't know because people keep making this up as they go. I love how people are trying to add job responsibilities to an already Hall of Fame resume. Make that make sense. I'll leave that one. I'll let that marinate with you. But at the same time, to, to, be, to be serious about the question, I think it presents an opportunity for the Steelers to bring new blood in, so to speak. And I think it does create an opportunity to go against the grain. Think about it. The first 10 years of Mike Tomlin's tenure, he either had a defensive coach that was already on the staff before he got there or an offensive coach that was already on the staff before he got there, minus Todd Haley, who they brought in, who already had experience as a head coach before he comes in as the offensive coordinator. Other than that, they had a whole bunch of guys that had been on that staff previously. And then he brought in a guy. In Mike Munchak. We always like to talk about Mike Munchak leaving as if mm-hmm. that was Mike Tomlin's fault, but we never give Mike Tomlin credit for hiring Mike yeah, Munchak. That's, good. that's a good point. After he had been a head coach in Tennessee. We leave that part out because it's convenient for some people. Let's not lie about it. But this is that opportunity to work. Yes, he now has that opportunity. And Chris, you and I talked about this after the previous preseason. I think it was two preseason, two off seasons ago 
We talked about mm-hmm. it. This was the opportunity for Mike Tomlin to really rebuild this 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 franchise or this roster and this coaching staff in his image and after his likeness. That's what we talked about before. Now you're getting that opportunity because there's no more former coaches on the staff. Even John Mitchell is gone, which says a lot. Mm-hmm. And John Mitchell was a fixture for decades in this organization. Yep. Even John Mitchell has moved on. The quarterback that he inherited has moved on. The GM that was there that when he was what GM that was there when he first came in, that GM has moved on. So all of this is different now. It's an entirely different landscape. It's an entirely different front office. Even the ownership is different from when Mike Tomlin got here because Dan Rooney, rest in peace, has moved has has gone on before us. And now we have Art Rooney the second. So everything about this entire organization now is different. So if you have all of the circumstances that are different from the the earlier part of Mike Tomlin's tenure, why not use that as an opportunity to do some new things? Why not use that as an opportunity to bring in some new blood? Why not use that as an opportunity to not only bring in new perspectives and new views of the game, but also take an opportunity to put his own stamp on things? We always talk about Mike Tomlin's a defensive coach. Well, here's something that I'm going to tell you, folks, and I don't think people have really let this set in yet. So I'm going to bludgeon you with this until it sets in. The beatings will not stop until morale improves. The past two seasons, the Steelers have won 18 games. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. 18 games, nine in each of the last two seasons. Now, keep that number 18 in mind. And Chris, you and I have talked about this stat quite a bit. In the past two seasons, the Steelers, when they allow 20 points or less on defense, and don't lose the turnover margin. You know what their record is, Chris? A perfect 18 and 0. That's crazy. That is the impact of a defensive coach understanding what he has and using what he has to shape his roster around the strengths and still find ways to win football games. And that is despite having a quarterback who had suffered a really really bad injury that was never really the same for the rest of his career and has a Hall of Fame resume. And then transitioning to a rookie quarterback after losing an 18-year veteran to retirement. And the win total, Chris, never changed. 18-year veteran, the rookie quarterback, won the same number of games. And they did it the exact same way. Mm. And that's something he does not get credit for. So take all of that and set that to the side. And then, then embrace the fact that, okay, he's got a new quarterback. He's got a new GM. He doesn't have the same owner that hired him. He's got a whole different staff now. All of the old fixtures are gone. All of the old, you know, the, the old guys you can lean on, the the um, the the rock of Gibraltar's, as you will, I they've all you. moved on. He's the only guy that's the same. So if he didn't take that as an opportunity to bring in some new faces, to bring in some new blood and bring in fresh ideas, then we're really talking about the thing he gets charged with so much as far as wasting opportunities. Because this is the one chance he gets to actually do it completely his way now. Regardless of what you think of the results, the fact of the matter is he now gets a chance to do it in a way that we haven't seen before. So there's going to be results that are different, and except for the one loss thing, because for some odd reason, that seems to say the same. But everything else looks a little bit different now. Now, just a quick thing, just to go back over your numbers, you said the they're 18-0 when they win the turnover battle? When they when they give up 20 points or less on defense and have oh, okay. an even or positive turnover margin. In other words, gotcha. don't turn the ball more, over more than the other team and give up 20 or less on defense. They haven't lost when they do that. Now, there okay, have it, been four the... other games where mm-hmm. they've given up 20 or less on defense but lost the turnover margin, and they're 0-3-1 in those games. Gotcha. No, That's but, the difference. But, again, it's, it's fitting that bill. If they can get an – and 
like granted, there's no guarantee that that defensive pace continues, but if right. they can get an offense that can score more in those situations, maybe it, it does put them in a prime position to be one of the more competitive teams in the NFL. And, and I think it goes back into, you know, what we're looking at with the Steelers coaching staff right now. And the question is, you know, is this approach now that they're adding all these younger minds in here, these these kind of different different guys that, that aren't as well known, can they help kind of flesh out what Mike Tomlin is trying to manifest here on both sides of the ball? The defense, like he's like you said, it's kind of been doing it. it you know, when it, when they're healthy, they're bringing it. It's just the offense with with Ben Roethlisberger in the worst year of his career. Uh, you know, as far as far as his availability, and then a rookie quarterback in Kenny Pickett who was figuring out his way into the NFL. Who we talked about with Alan Saunders yesterday about how you know his learning process and what he admits he was struggling with and what he's working on to not struggle with next year. I think all of that plays a big a big role into things, but we want to get more into that part of it with helping those second year guys make the important steps to become key factors for the Steelers. We have a question from a fan that actually drew, drew this out. We'll get to that question here on the call line here in the Locked on Steelers podcast in just a minute. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back here in the Locked on Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. Here with Josh Taylor. Uh, Josh, um, we have a, we have our car line that anyone can call in. If you call 412-223-6644, leave your name, where you're from, and, and uh, keep your question to a minute or less, um, and we'll try to get you on the show. We had a call line that asked about you know guys like Kenny Pickett who who need to make a second year jump and the chance of that. Here's our friend Serge from Easton, PA, who asked this question. Yeah, how you doing, Chris? My name is Serge. I'm calling from Eastern Pennsylvania. Um. I just want—I know we're deep in the draft, one of the happiest times of the draft season here with the combine, and I appreciate all the coverage. But I don't think we talk about enough about the lack of second-year jumps in recent years that we've seen on our team. What I mean is people like Trey Norwood, Louder Milk. Um, I would even call them regression in the second year. To me, uh, as a huge Mike Tomlin fan, it's the first. Thing that comes to mind if we want to talk about replacing him that's the first thing that comes to mind so to get to Serge's question by the way thank you Serge for pointing out there I think it's it's interesting because we could look at you know the Steelers pattern pattern of drafts um and and, and say okay who has uh who has made the who hasn't made the, the, the second year jumps now you know, it's, I think it's it's tough to say for Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth. You know, they I think they both looked better. Their stats weren't great. But, you know, I think that both of them, you could say, made okay progress. But guys like Kendrick Green, you know, didn't even play. Buddy Johnson, Isaiah Loudermilk, you know, Trey Noah. Yeah, sure, you could say they they didn't. Um, but let's look back throughout a lot of the let, – let, let's keep looking throughout the years because Alex Highsmith made a pretty good second-year jump. Um, I'd say Deontay Johnson made a pretty good sec- second year jump. Uh, Zach Gentry got yeah, has gotten better. Devin Bush, I think, was on the verge of making a second year jump before he got injured. Uh, I think Terrell Edmonds got better from his second year at the Chikuma Core Four. Um, and then we start getting to the really easy ones. TJ Watt, Juju Smith-Schuster. TJ Watt's the, the easiest one. The, the easiest one. James Conner, when he James came Conner's out his second one. year, when, Le'Ve- when Le'Veon Bell didn't even play. And uh, Conner, Juju, and, and TJ Watt, all same draft class. 
and Cameron Sutton, who also All was part contest. of that draft class. I, so there's that. And then, yeah, you have guys like Artie Burns, Sean Davis, who didn't make make those, but Javon Hargrave got better, but Dupree got better, Ryan Shazier, Stephon Tewitt. So, again, we can we can do that. I think we can pick and choose that. Yeah, there are some guys there. I don't think that the second year jump is as much of a problem, but I do think it is an issue this year that has to not be an issue because this offense is going to depend a lot upon Kenny Pickett's growth upon George Pickens growth. I think that the Marvin Leal needs to have a comeuppance this year. I think we saw, I saw a lot of potential and I pumped this guy up all summer, all, all summer long leading into the season from what I saw in training camp. We saw flashes of that. Now we don't need to see flashes. We need to see substance. We need to be able to see consistency from him. We need to see Calvin Austin, you know, not be hurt and actually be a factor. Connor Hayward made some good reps. We need to see those jumps there. And I think it's reasonable to ask that. And I, I think it's it's not Serge isn't in the wrong place to be saying, like, hey, you know, we could see more better second year jumps. Chase Claypool didn't have a better second year than he did a, a rookie season. Uh, and certainly there are guys that have been disappointing. But Josh, are the Steelers in a position where they you feel that they haven't made those kind of jumps? And what do you think of the chances of the 2022 class kind of having a rise like the 2017 class did? Let me preface this by saying one thing. We're only in the part now in the progression in the Mike Tomlin era where younger players are expected to fill roles. Because in the early days of the Mike Tomlin era, young guys came in, they played special teams, they did secondary jobs. They they didn't do as much in those first couple seasons because their job was pretty much sit and learn or sit and watch or get your opportunities as special teams and also learn while you're playing special teams. Like the more you can do, that gets you on the field, but take opportunities to grow while you're at it. So that has shifted now where you're seeing guys that are getting opportunities to play as rookies and making contributions. This rookie class, you just laid out, what, five guys who all make contributions as rookies this past season? Yeah. So I think I'm with you. I think it's imperative that these guys all move up because – we saw what they did as rookies. You saw what Kenny Pickett was able to do that second half of the season. You saw what George Pickens was able to do that second half of the season. And I'm one of those guys that want to see more from DeMarvin Leal. And I think DeMarvin Leal, from the way he was talking at the end of the season, I think he expects that from himself. And that's what I that's what I like to hear. Because there was another guy that was going into his second season that expected a huge jump from himself. And he made that jump. And that was T.J. Watt. So when you have mm-hmm. guys that have that expectation that know – that they have an opportunity to take advantage. Yeah, it becomes important. I think it's imperative that an even guy who, granted, he wasn't drafted last year, but he was a rookie. I think it's imperative that Jalen Warren makes that jump next season because if something were to happen to Najee Harris and he doesn't play through it this time, they're going to need Jalen Warren to be a, a big contributor. And I'm glad you mentioned, I, I usually have one guy in each draft class that I tend to refer to as my guy. And last year's draft class, my guy was Connor Avery. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm a Connor Hayward guy. I, I, I've just become a Connor Hayward fan. Matter of fact, someone asked last season, like, what were some of your favorite plays in Matt Canada's offense? And I said, most of the ones that involved Connor Hayward. Because Connor Hayward made some plays in this offense that not only, A, either helped them helped them in games and turn games, or in some cases win games, and B, that the other team did not see coming. And also, C, things that Matt Canada has been known to do throughout his tenure as an offensive coach. He fills that role that George Aston filled a lot at Pitt back during that season that no one likes to talk about or give him credit for. But all of that comes back around to what you've seen from Connor Hayward. 
So if you can get that kind of progression from Connor Hayward, I would also like to see him grow in the offense because at this point, it doesn't look like Derek Watt's going to come back. So I guess he's probably going to get more opportunities on the field to make certain plays like that. It's probably going to be Connor Hayward. So he's going to be, he's going to have to make that leap forward. I already talked about what Jalen Moore is going to have to do. I think everybody expects uh, George Pickens to make that leap forward. And if they don't, people might riot downtown with pitchforks. I think it's imperative. Same thing with Kenny Pickett. Same thing with DeMarvin Leal. And, and towards the end of the season, we saw another guy at least get opportunities because of injuries. And toward that last game of the season, he didn't really, you know, follow through on all of it. But you still see the seeds planted because he's so early in that position change. And that's Mark Robinson. He's another guy that I think. I would like to see have a little bit more of growth, whether it's on special teams or if he gets opportunities in sub packages, you want to see him get opportunities and try to make that progression too. But Mark Robinson, I kind of set to the side. Like I said, he's only been playing linebacker for a couple of years. So it's really hard to explain, expect that from a guy, especially a guy that's not starting. It was different with TJ Watt because TJ Watt hadn't been playing linebacker long, but he came in and walked in the door as a starter and got so many reps that first year so that when that second year came around, he was already ready to roll. So it's not exactly the same scenario. Also, it doesn't help when you have an older brother that's a future Hall of Famer and multiple-time defense player of the year. That probably helps out a lot too. But it all comes back to say this. With this draft class that just came through in 2022, you saw almost every guy in this draft class, except for Calvin Austin III, and that was because of injury. It's not like it's his fault. All of these guys had roles toward the end of the season, and they really started to flourish in them. So now it goes from, hey, you're getting the opportunity to, hey, now we expect you to perform. We expect you to execute the situation. So now not only is it, you know, a good thing, not only would it help the team, I think it's expected of them now. Mm. I think it is too. I think it is is expected of them. And I think that, you know, it's funny, like, you know, we're talking about this front office and this new front office, but the last, you know, the last picks of Kevin Colbert, you know, could end up being some of the most impactful on on the franchise in his history. And he's had some very big. He, he picked Kevin. Uh, he picked a uh, Ben Roethlisberger. He picked Troy Polamalu and a lot and all those guys over over Ike the Taylor, past twenty years. That whole group. Ike, like like you you could go over all the all those draft picks. But if Kenny Pickett is the guy, if he can become the franchise quarterback, and George Pickens becomes a top target, and Demarvin Leal becomes a very good defensive lineman for them, and they can get role players out of their other the last four picks in Calvin Austin and, and Connor Hayward and Mark Robinson, especially if those guys are, are able, then this draft class could become a big source for the team. And it also, you know, again, it's still imperative that this draft class hits. They need to make sure that they capitalize on having four picks in the top 80 uh, th- this year in the NFL draft. And who knows how they use their picks to trade up or down to get more or less picks and, you know, rise up in the draft. But I, I think, again, there's still that that sense of this second year group does need to take significant strides forward. And who knows, maybe getting an offensive assistant uh, to work with Mike Sullivan and with Matt Canada is to, is working is going to be a big help in doing that as an extra pair of eyes to help, especially Pickett and Pickens on the offensive side of the ball. And if there's something that we've learned, not only in the history of the league, but even with the history of this organization, and we're talking about decades gone by here, if there's anything that's more dangerous than a good team, it's a team that's good, young, and cheap. Mm. Keep that in mind moving forward. Because the surges that we've seen with this team during the course of its history, the surges that this team has gone on where it's become a championship contender or even a champion, there were teams that were good, they were young and they were cheap and they were able to keep those nucleuses together for a longer period of time because they came in as younger guys and you had a whole bunch of kernels that were popping around the same three or four year period. Mm -hmm. And that's where it came in. So when you saw that first run in 05, 
you had Troy Polamalu and Ike Taylor and Ben Roethlisberger and Heath Miller, all these younger guys that were kind of just added into this older stable of Kimo Von Olhoffen and Joey Porter and Mike Logan. But these younger guys came in and rounded it out. Then a few years later, you saw a couple other guys start to round their way in. And by the time you got to 2010, that group was a little bit more of a veteran group, but they had already been in the league five or six years, and now they're in Super Bowl number three together. So that changes that whole dynamic of how you put a team together and how a roster is built. If you can bring them in together and draft well and develop well and do it while they're young and have that success early, it sets the tone for the expectation down the road. And instead of getting maybe a one or two year window, you're talking about a half a decade window like we saw the last time around or like we saw in the 70s for that matter. It was the same thing. Hit on a handful of different draft classes, including one that got you, you know, five Hall of Famers in the same rookie class, which we will never see again. 1974. We'll never see that again, but it still follows the same blueprint. That 74 class came in and that team just went off to like an entirely different level. That team won the Super Bowl. Then they won three more after that. It, it, but it expanded that window by so much that guys like Joe Green and Terry Bradshaw and Franco Harris, who were part of the beginning of the nucleus of that group, they were augmented by guys that came in with a bunch of really good draft classes or one really, really good one if you want to go for it that way. But it does augment the fact that if you can do that well and do it early, it sets you up for a lot of success down the road. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's what the Steelers are trying to do with uh, their new draft class, but they're hoping to see more from this last one. And and thanks again for Serge for the question, because it got us talking about the potential of that second year jump instead of a second year slump. What's with the PA callers, by the way? Hey, what do you mean with the PA callers? We, we usually get other states when I'm on. We get people from like other countries. Oh, man. we've gotten a bunch, I'm, man. We, we've, we've, this, just, this was just today's one question that I, I thought was, was relevant for, for this conversation. We get, yeah. We've gotten South Carolina this week. We, we've gotten a whole bunch. Don't worry. No, we'll, don't, don't get me wrong. I love it. I love Because we had one from Nevada one time. We had one from California. I love hearing the college from other states. I love the fact that Steelers Nation is as big as it is. It, it tickles me to death. I think it's the most awesome thing ever. You're talking about a guy who moved a thousand miles away from everything he knew and loved and moved into a new town and made like a dozen friends instantly because they were all Steeler fans that didn't live here. It was absolutely amazing. So when I, I when I hear stuff like that, I just think it's fantastic. I was no, kind of joking a little bit, but it's cool. No, it, it is really cool. Josh, we got to get out of here. Thanks so much for joining us. Let people know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Josh Taylor HD. That's the simplest place to do it on as far as the social media. Uh, radio 93.7 The Fan. You can listen to the Odyssey app, just like the Locked on Steelers podcast. Also on the TV side, cbspittsburgh.com. That's where you can watch KDKA TV. Usually I'm there on weekends. Granted, it's been a couple weeks. I've had some time off. A lot of stuff going on around the house. As you can see, I'm in full-on dad mode for those of you who are actually watching this, the stream with the, with the beard going on. So taking a lot of time to do some stuff around here, but I'll be back around soon enough. So I'll be a lot more clean-shaven and it'll be a lot less you know, a lot less Grizzly Adams type. So we'll go from there and we'll see what happens. Well, we appreciate you taking a dad break to come on the show and talk Steelers with us. Thanks again to Josh Taylor. Thanks you for all for listening to the Locked on Steelers podcast or watching us either on your favorite past podcasting app or on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. I'm Chris Carter, your host of the Locked on Steelers podcast. Again, thanks for checking us out. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. If you want to read my work at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette and all things Pitt Athletics, you can go to post-gazette.com. You can read my work there. Uh, thank Thanks to everyone who does support the show. If you want to support the show even more, go on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review with a positive comment. Do both at the same time, and you get to ship that special shout-out at the end of the show. Thanks again, everyone. Back tomorrow and finishing out the week with a Friday episode talking your Pittsburgh Steelers right here on the Locked On Steelers Podcast. 